Stick around to the end of this episode for a sneak peek of a new podcast called The Ride Guys. Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm Sandy. And we're two Tenderfoot tourists. Welcome to episode 103, the History Museum on the Square in Springfield, Missouri. Today on Two Tenderfoot Tourists, we're telling you all about trains, a time machine trolley, the first ever shootout of the Wild West, and Route 66. First things first on this episode, we need to have a little correction. Uh, we made an error on calling a certain structure or a certain building the wrong name. Okay. Last episode, we called the new museum in Springfield, we called it the Springfield History Museum. The actual title is <laughs> the History Museum on the Square. Right. It's, because it's on the square. Right. It it does mainly talk about, well, it does. It talks about Springfield history, mm-hmm. but it's called the History Museum on the Square, and it happens to be in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> there you go. Like we said at the end of the last podcast, we were, for the first time, going to the ninth annual birthplace of Route 66 Festival. And it just so happens that was the first day opening for the Museum on the Square. If we would have known that, I think we would have went in. I think so, too. We right. didn't know. We just thought, you know, well, what we, a cool place we should visit someday. Well, we were really, we had a lot of festival to investigate. And we had a birthday party to make it to. <laughs> yeah, so we were under a bit of a time crunch at the time. But just like we ended the podcast, uh, episode 102, uh, the birthplace of Route 66, we were going to talk about the museum on the square. Right, and, and we were going to try to get an interview with the executive director and we got it we did i'm really excited about that he was so nice he was such a nice guy he agreed to come in and he came in on his day off to talk to us that was awesome he's just the nicest guy john sellers he's the executive director of the museum and he's been doing it for a long long time you'll hear it in the interview that we're going to play for you about the museum that we have nowadays is it's been years in the works. And you know what? I think it's time to play the interview. He can say it best. Very good. I think so too. Today on Two Tenderfoot Tourists, we have with us John Sellers, Executive Director of History Museum on the Square in Springfield, Missouri. If you wouldn't mind, tell everybody about okay, you. Um, I've been both as a volunteer and an employee here off and on since 1976. I'm a Springfield native, uh, five kids, seven grandkids, and <laughs> all of them enthralled with the museum. So you can't ever say my name again and not smile. No, every <laughs> time. <laughs> We're glad to have you here. Oh, with us. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'm sure you have a very busy schedule, so it is. Uh, it's nice that you would take the time to actually. Oh, out of your busy day. I'm, I'm off today. Oh, are you that's really? Why got, oh. why got, that's why I've got shorts on. Oh, okay. You totally, totally yeah. gave us your time. We really yeah. appreciate yeah. it. My wife's at home 
coming up with things for me to do all day long. I'm keeping you away from your honeydew. That's exactly right. All so right. just just take your time. We'll do it over if it doesn't work. All right. Sounds It'll be good. Okay. Sounds good. So I guess we start right off just saying, why don't you tell us about the History Museum and what's so special about it? Well, the History Museum began as a bicentennial museum in 1976. And it was just going to be a little temporary storefront as part of the bicentennial celebration, and then it was going to go away. But the the public support for it was so great that uh, the Green County Historical Society and the other people that were involved in getting it started felt compelled to make it continue. And so over the course of time since 1976 to today, it has morphed into what has become absolutely a, a state-of-the-art technical wizard of a, of a museum to tell the history of uh, this place we call home. We're looking at this as a place that uh, is a possibility for people to uh, come to mm-hmm. while they're on vacation. There's Absolutely. so many things in Springfield that you can actually do. There's Bass Pro. There's You can go over to Silver City Branson. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can even have theater here. You have the... Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. You got There's all so many things. The Car crazy. Museum. The Car Museum yes. is fabulous. The Car Museum. Uh, the Discovery Center. I mean, the art. we have, a, we have an extraordinary art museum. All of those kinds of things are just, you know, fabulous. So what if someone was wanting or thinking about coming here, what would you tell them to bring them in and tell them what they're going to experience and what they will find? Oh, my goodness. The museum uh, tells wonderful stories of this place we call home. It tells about why we are the way we are. Why is there a Division Street? Why is there a Central Street? Nice. Why is that? Why is the community, why does it have two old business districts? All of those types of things. Why is there so many railroad tracks through this town? All of the things that, that we can tell. Uh, the famous people that have, have come from here. I mean, everybody from Pearl White to Bob Barker to John Goodman, you name them. Uh, you know, people that have, have come from this area or from the, the schools here. And um, it, it's just, I think they will be incredibly impressed both in the stories themselves and in the way we tell them. Right. Because you won't see a more state-of-the-art museum than what we have here right now. I would agree with you. I was, like I said earlier, I was really impressed. Um, I was apprehensive at first, like I mm-hmm. said. But we were going through here, and all we could say is, oh, my goodness. Steve would say, my dad would love this. Yeah. And and we're talking one age range, and then we're going, our nephew would love this. He's nine. And we're dying to bring both of them back here. Oh, There's absolutely. so much to do. Yeah. The train car blew my mind. <laughs> and I we, we were cracking up because our nephew could do all the game you were mm-hmm. talking about with finding out the history. I just love doing it, even though I was terrible oh, yeah. at it. Oh, yeah, I, I hit more rocks and run over more snakes than you can ever imagine. <laughs> I just kept running terrible. into the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and the fact that you feel like you're on a board of a train because right. you got the, the scenery, yeah. running, real did, live Did footage. you change the speed? Wow. There's a, there's a lever there by the boiler, and you can change the speed, and the speed changes. The noise changes, and the, and the speed with which... I the, never saw that. Yeah, there's a lever right there by the... We need to pay better oh, attention. <laughs> yeah, and, and all of that was taken out of the back of my pickup truck driving around the access road out at, out at Wilson's Creek. Oh, oh no gosh, way. That is so cool. <laughs> really? That is awesome. That's hilarious. Again, it's all local. See, there you go. <laughs> wow, that is so awesome. Yeah, they said, but we put a camera crew in the back of my pickup, and I just drove slowly around, and then they sped it up or slowed it down and changed the noise that went by it as you moved the lever to control the speed of the engine. 
Nice. And that engine, the, the steam engine itself, sure. when it came in here, it was flat gray. And a man stood on the ground on the floor there and studied that with a big table, about an eight-foot folding table, full of little pots of paint and brushes. And he'd look at that, and then he'd scamper up the scaffolding, and he'd dab with the paint. And he'd come back down, and he'd look at it again. He'd look at a couple of photos. He'd go up, dab again. Right. Every spot of rust, every smear of grease, everything on that steam engine that makes it look absolutely alive up there right. was dabbed on there by a little man scampering up and down and scaffolding over the course of two or three days. That wow. is so amazing. Oh, so, yeah. So, I, I thought that thing was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Just to give everybody an idea of what exactly what we're talking about, when you immediately enter the History Museum, if you, you go up to the, the guest center, yeah. or the guest counter, right. and you look up to your right, you see a giant train. Engine. A, a train engine right above yeah. you, and that's what he's talking about. It, it the, the place is just... Just visually, it's pleasing. Oh, yeah. It's very, yeah. it's just pleasing visually. I'm really excited because I think that you're going to get a lot of school groups. Oh, uh, yeah. We're and hoping to. I think that's going to be really amazing. Yeah, they're going to be really impressed. And especially if you grow the way you're hoping, that's just going to be, yeah. this will be a hub for field trips. Yeah, and, and it, we're so happy that it's downtown. We're, yes. We, we, that was one of our commitments was that we were going to have it where this all started. This 50 acres right here. Is what John Paul Campbell donated the city to start it, and and that's what we wanted more. We wanted to be. I know we walked through and we looked around and we were just blown away. I honestly, when Steve suggested coming, I was like, okay, you know, because I had we had read online, actually watched a video that was uh -huh. just three weeks before your opening. Right. Oh, it's just a few pictures and some words to read. Uh -huh. You picture it as a garage sale or a <laughs> flea market that you walk through and find out what all those unidentifiable things are. But this is so much more. There's interactives. There's there's things that tell stories in ways that people here have never seen. I mean, you go and you play a video game, and all during that video game, you're learning about travel from St. Louis to Springfield in different eras and what was involved in that and or whatever it might be. Or you're traveling through time in a streetcar to find out about things that don't require a full exhibit or a full uh, panoply of items but just a, a great story like the like the cobras uh, scare of 1953 or bonnie and clyde kidnapping a police officer from down by the shrine mosque and taking him to Joplin. Oh, yeah. things like that 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 people would never know if they didn't come and experience it here in in our museum it's funny that you mentioned something like that because one of our questions was going to be um are there any surprises Oh, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. When you walk in and, and you're greeted at the front door, right to your left is a wonderful touch table. It's a, it's a big screen that, that looks like an uh, air hockey or something. And you go over and you touch a dot on it, and a picture comes up of, of a location back in time. And we, we hired a professional photographer, and he went and took pictures from exactly the same perspective of that location. So you can slide your hand over that photo and see what it looked like today, well, what it looks like today and what it looked like back in time. And there's a little story at the bottom that tells about it. And if somebody across the table from you says, hey, let me see that one, you just slide your hand on the, on the TV screen and it slides across and turns to them. 
we actually did play around with that, and I was so impressed when I watched Steve reach over and turn it to be right side up for right. us. That oh, was yeah. incredible. Yeah. Like Tony Stark for just a few minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing. Just the, the technology involved in it is just extraordinary. Tell us about the technology that you have incorporated in the actual museum. It is fascinating. Um, it's it's good for children and also adults just because of the fact that it's so interactive mm-hmm. and it's so engaging and you learn so much. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I really like your, um, the trolley. Oh, the, the time machine. Yeah, <clears throat> the, the time machine yeah. trolley was very fascinating. Yeah. I love that, especially when you got the, the, the oh. lights going on and everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, the windows, you notice the windows go opaque, you can't see out anymore. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I mean, yeah. it was so incredible. Uh, I, I could have spent a lot longer in there. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure our nine-year-old nephew could have worked it better than we did. Oh, yeah. it, it, it's very sensitive. Yes, it's very it is. sensitive. But it holds, right now it's got 42 stories in it. Wow. And it'll, it has the capability to hold up to about 100. So we'll keep adding stories to it nice. as time goes on. And that's the wonderful thing about this. It's not static. Everything in it is adaptable and changeable, and we can we can tell new stories. It uh, and we used even though we used technology from places like Boston. Richard Lewis Media Group did all the videos and all the audio, and uh, then uh, different uh, the Gallagher and Associates, who was our design team out of Washington D.C. and and uh, then locally here we had Casey and Associates Architects and Kenmar building the infill. Uh, but all of these different companies that worked with us uh, have made this thing so flexible, so so wonderful that we can we can move those stories and tell different things. And but we used all local talent, so all the voices you hear, all the narrations, all the actors are people from here in Springfield. Yeah, tell me, it, did we hear Tom Turton? You did. I did. I, you did. Did. I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tom, uh, Tom and Joy were both uh, both narrated uh, different things. Tom did the. Uh, uh, did the narration in uh, Wobble Hickok, yeah. and then uh, Joy did the narration in Route 66. And so they both came over the other day and toured through and, and heard their voices on there. Nice. Uh, but yeah, a lot of different, a lot of different people, a lot of different actors and, and voice people. That's really fun when you grow up around here also to go hear familiar voices. That's, that's nice. Oh, yeah, I like is, that. Yeah. Okay, as we walk through, one of the things that I, I found so fascinating, you have a chronological flow to right. your museum. Uh-huh. When you come in through the entrance, it starts with the early days of, uh, of Native, uh, American. Native Americans, uh-huh. and then it just progresses on up into our yeah. Route 66, Route 66 I believe. 66, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to do it that way? We had, we had, in our original museum, uh, had been chronological, and it was very popular, and people get a good feel for it that way. They really, they enjoy traveling through also, it pulls people through the whole museum to see what we find are our two most popular galleries, which is Wabo Hickok and Route 66. So there at the end of the trail, that's where you end up with most of your travelers coming in. It's right. funny because when we went through, I had forgotten about Wild Bill. I had forgotten all about that. And then we hit that section, and it was overwhelming. It was so interesting. And then you had hands-on there also. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, we were terrible at. Oh, oh. So. You, you, you couldn't be anywhere. I've, I've walked in there, and there's, like, bullet holes in the courthouse. There's stuff all over the place. It's yeah, so funny. It, it's bad. It, it's a lot of fun. 
And we did it several times because yeah. we got lucky there wasn't a lot of people. But to realize moment. how big and how bulky and how heavy that weapon yes. is because it's the actual weight and size. Okay, that was one of my questions. How accurate was the that? Is That is a, a, an accurate, absolute accurate replica, weight, size, and everything. So describe to our listeners what exactly we're talking about because I don't right. think we did. In, in 1863, Wild Bill Hickok first came here to Springfield. Uh, and worked for the provost marshal uh, as as one of the security people uh, here in Springfield when Springfield was under martial law during the Civil War. And then he returned at the end of the Civil War uh, because he kind of liked the place. It was out on the fringes of the West, and it was really rough and tumble. And he uh, gambled and drank and just caroused, and he got in with a group of people, and some of them were Southern, some of them were Union. And one of the Southern people uh, who... Who had followed a career path that was almost exactly Hickok's, but on the other side of the conflict, uh, named Davis Tut. They became friends, and then they had a falling out. Uh, there was an argument over a gambling debt. Tut took Hickok's watch and said, I'm going to keep this watch as collateral for the debt. And Hickok says, Fine, but don't let me see you wearing my watch. <laughs> and uh, Tut sent a word that, to Hickok that he was going to be wearing the watch on as a square. And so the very first gunfight in the Old West, the very first man-on-man, pull-your-gun-and-shoot gunfight happened on our square in July of 1865 between Davis Tutt and Wild Hickok. Hickok came into the square from South Street. Davis Tutt came into the square from the northwest corner over by the Hers building, which at that time was where the old courthouse was. And um, he pulled his gun first, fired Hickok just a second behind him, took more time to aim and hit him in the heart and killed him on the spot. Wow. So, and that's what we're talking about is, is the reenactment of basically yeah. feeling the weight of the gun, being in a virtual yeah. reality, right. you it, should call it that. Yeah, because that, that is a, a fairly accurate depiction of what the square looked like at that time. It's, it's an amazing room. Whoever thought of that yeah. was just a yeah, genius it is, because yeah. you have the town right there around you. Mm-hmm. So you're walking through like what looks like barn, uh, yeah, bar room doors. Barn doors, swinging doors, yeah. And you pick up a, a pistol. Which, according to you, is, is accurate, accurate and weight and size and everything like that. And then you have to take a shot. Yeah. And yeah. see if you can See how close you are to being, yeah. A wild Bill. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, so many of the people from the Old West, which we always, you know, from our perspective, we always think of the Old West as being out in, you know, somewhere way out west of here. Yeah. But this was the Old West. This was the Wild West. You, This was the stepping off place into unknown territory. So all of those people... Uh, Wyatt Earp, uh, uh, Calamity Jane, they all had some contact or connection with the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the one that is amazing to me is that uh, Wyatt Earp began his law enforcement career as a marshal of Lamar, Missouri. Wow. Really? And he took the job from his father who had retired in Lamar, Missouri. And you don't think of Wyatt, you think of Wyatt Earp, you think Tombstone, you think the oh, Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. But he started doing what he did in Lamar. Wow. I mean, and those kinds of little gee whiz things, you've got to go through there and push those buttons and hear those narrations and find out about them. That is amazing. It's really incredible. Yeah. What does the future of History Museum on the Square look like? Uh, (laughs) Over the course of time, uh, our hope is that we are able to acquire the one last building in this northeast corner of the, of the square. Uh, we have the Fox Theater, and then we have these two buildings that are connected together to make the, the current museum. 
we get that other building and we'll be able to connect all the way across. The Fox Theater is a big part of our uh, of our work. We have uh, all types of rental uh, activities in there where we rent it out to musical groups and things. And then we also use it for shows and seminars and things about history. So it's it's great to have. And uh, we'll begin to work on you know fundraising for finishing the cost of this and then and then work on rehabbing the Fox Theater. I mean, all of this whole corner burned to the ground in one one terrible fire in 1913. So they, these buildings are all not only contiguous in space, but contiguous in time. And we really want to bring them back to the way they looked when they were new. Are there any special upcoming events at the oh. museum? Oh, yes. Yes, we have, an, we have an event coming up on the 5th of October. Uh, we're going to do a, an event called Moon Over the Mother Road, which we have done in previous years. And it's a big uh, dinner party event, a fundraiser for us. That'll be on the 5th of October. And uh, so you'll be looking for, for information about that to come out here soon. That's going to be really exciting. And then, of course, we do our Christmas windows. So all the windows, uh, they're already working on how they're going to decorate all the windows in both here and the Fox that we do with our mechanical animals and Santa and all that that oh, we have. Oh, wow. wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's something we'll have to come back and look at. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Wow. Well, we certainly encourage anybody and everybody who is either in Springfield living or in the Springfield metro area or visiting Springfield yeah. To come and visit the History we're, Museum. We're open 9 to 5, Monday through Saturday, and 1 to 5 on Sunday. And I'm uh, just happy to have people come by and, and see us and say hi. Yeah. And if they want to check out more about the museum? Uh, world's longest email address. And if they have questions or anything like that, they can send it to info, I-N-F-O, info at historymuseumonthesquare.org. Okay. And, then, and then that's our website, historymuseumonthesquare.org. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank yep. you so much. You Thank bet. you Thank so you. much. Glad to do it. What an excellent interview. I just enjoyed him so much. He was so easy to talk to and so informative. It was it was mind-boggling how many things that – because we've already been through it once, so apparently we do have to go through it again. There's a lot of things that we missed. I would love to go through there with him guiding my tour. I would love to have a tour by uh, and John. Does he not have the coolest voice ever? <laughs> he does. I love his voice. It's a really good voice. Uh, he's got a voice for radio for sure. Oh, my goodness. You realize we were there all that time talking to him, and we forgot to ask him about Route, Route 66. 66. Yeah, I couldn't believe it because that was the biggest part of what we enjoyed. I don't know how we could miss an entire floor of Route 66 <laughs> dedicated memorabilia. Now, understand, we did go see Route 66, uh, the Route 66 section, yeah. and it was incredible. But um, we didn't even stop to talk about no, it. We for didn't some even reason. talk. To I mean, there was about some it. mentionings yeah. of it throughout the interview, but right, no well, honorable no mention. Honorable um, <laughs> There's more than we could really even explain. There's actual documents there that were signed about the naming of Route 66. Yeah, they had the telegram there. Right. There, There is um, some of the neon signs. There's more than we can even explain. But there's an entire section that is a floor of the museum. What I loved about it, yes. The, what I loved about it is you had this like long wall that divided the room, and it was just a series of postcards from every state – that is in the route that Route 66 drove through, 
And uh, it, it just had all these classic photos of places and destinations that were along Route 66. And a lot of famous people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was just the coolest thing. It was very... A&W root beer. I'm not A&W root beer. A&W sign. And then the little A&W area where you'd order. The yeah. little electronic order area. And you and I remember. It's like, I remember seeing those as a kid. I remember ordering conies through those things. Yeah. Then. Yeah, that was crazy. But it was really an incredible sight. We didn't want to leave that off, especially seems how we've been covering a lot about Route 66 lately. Yeah. So if that's something that you're into, you definitely want to stop off at this little museum. Almost definitely. I say little. It's how many floors? I don't know. Four or five floors. Yeah, four four or five floors, yes. That was great. We talked all about trains, the time machine trolley, the first ever shootout of the Wild West, and Route 66. So it it was an incredible time. Thank you again, John. Yes, thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for putting all this effort into what we see there so we can have something to enjoy. That was just, it's breathtaking. We'll be back and we'll bring friends. There you go. <laughs> all right. So I think we're, we have ourselves an excellent episode. What do you think? Oh, nothing new there, right? No. <laughs> no, this is actually one of the best I think we've ever done. He, he was a great interview and he made our podcasts. It's better. It is better. I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, so thank you so much for listening to episode 103. The History Museum on the Square in Springfield, Missouri. Two Tenderfoot Tourists is a family-friendly podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify, just to name a few. To get in touch with us and chat about this podcast or even your travel experiences, simply email us at tenderfoottourist at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to check out our new website at twotenderfoottourist.com. That's T-W-O, tenderfoottourist.com. Keep those suggestions coming. And maybe you'll give us our best episode of 2019. I'm Steve. And I'm Sandy. Until next time. Stay tender. For a short clip from a new Tenderfoot Tours podcast, The Ride Guys. They're some of the biggest, fastest, most thrilling forms of entertainment in the world. Spanning over the centuries, they've evolved from mine carts careening down a mountainside and passengers grasping on for dear life to some of the most mind-blowing technological constructions pushing the limits of adrenaline and physics. What are we talking about? Roller coasters. We're The Ride Guys. first ever episode of Ride Guys. Ride Guys, here we are. Yeah, why don't you explain to everybody what exactly were our hopes and our attempts will be in entertaining people with this podcast. Basically, it's an offshoot of two tenderfoot tourists. Yeah. So you and Sandy had me come in a few times and we talked about roller coasters, rides, scary stuff on roller coasters at Halloween, which was awesome. And we had so much fun. You said, hey, let's do our own podcast let's and do it. this more often. That's right. So and that's where we are. Jason, like he said, he's been on the podcast on numerous occasions and we've always had a great time doing it. And if you'd like to listen to it, just go to our Two Tenderfoot Tourist podcast. You can find that at twotenderfoottourist.com, on Facebook, on Podbean, Apple's. 
Spotify, everywhere, and just find the ones that even talk about a roller coaster, right. and Jason will be in there. So you kind of get an idea of what – and Jason is a roller coaster enthusiast, and you've been riding roller coasters since you could walk. Well, maybe not <laughs> quite that long, but that's part near. Did I oversell that? <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, you're the kind of person, you have the mindset is like, I love roller coasters. I'm going to learn everything I possibly can about that roller coaster and all roller coasters who made it, the people that were involved, the companies, everything about it, right? As sad as that sounds hearing <laughs> it come from you. Yeah, that's true. Statistics and everything that goes involved. So this should be one heck of a roller coaster of a podcast for anyone out there who is that like to learn more. This would be a great place. This for would you. be awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. uh, our plans on covering on the first episode is the Matterhorn. Oh, we have to start with the Matterhorn. We do because it is quintessentially the thing that really changed roller coasters that to what we have nowadays. Yeah, for sure. So, why don't you tell everybody what you know about the Matterhorn at this time? Wow, how much time do we have? Uh, no, thirty I'm minutes. Ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> So the Matterhorn was revolutionary for its time. I mean, if you go ride it now, and if you and me went to California and hopped on now, you'd probably be like, this is kind of dumb. and It's kind of cheesy. Kind of lame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you've got to realize at the time, it opened in 1959. Yeah. So Disneyland was still in diapers at that point. It was a ride that changed the ride industry and we can point to it as one of the reasons why we have the roller coasters and the rides we have nowadays. There was a couple of different, you know, things that happened in a, a span of a few years, but uh, building the Matterhorn was definitely one of those quintessential moments in the history of amusement parks and rides and roller coasters and all that. Uh, Disney had wanted something for his park. He was always um, noted for saying Disneyland will never be finished. And he was always wanting to plus everything, plus the park, plus a ride. So he never wanted to be satisfied and think, okay, we finally got it all here. We're done. He wanted right. Disneyland to always be, be a work in progress and adding and trying new things. And we've seen what it's blown up into <laughs> yeah. you know, these days. Okay. So um, the inspiration behind the Matterhorn was based on a movie, correct? Yeah. Um, third man on the mountain. I was trying to think of third. I knew man on the mountain. It was third man on the mountain. Correct. Yeah. So, and then Disney had also, I believe, if I'm remembering right, made a, a trip over to Europe. And, and while he, they're filming it, yeah. Yeah, and he saw the Matterhorn, mm-hmm. I think, and that was his inspiration for, I need to put one of those in my park and figure that out. Right. Yeah. So, in fact, he sent a, a, a postcard to the guy who yeah, is over that, right. and he said, build me this. I kind of remember that. that yeah. That's all he wrote on the back to this one guy. I can't remember his name, though. And I think when they were just thinking about possibilities, I believe all that the, the first incarnation or the first um, – Vision for it was just kind of a, a slide down the side of the mountain. Is that right? It was like that, a bobsled. It was like yeah. a yeah. Okay, so it went through you know various you know design thoughts and phases to get what we've got today. It, it definitely it was something Disney had himself you know before he he died. It was something he was in charge of because you know he didn't he wasn't around too much longer. No. I forgot what year he... 65? 65, okay. Yeah. So it was, you know, he, he didn't see a, a lot, most of the rides that we have these right. days. But Matterhorn was definitely one that he was a, a huge part of. Right. Yeah, he was. So um, statistic-wise, as far as, like, the size of this this mountain, of course, it's, like, not nearly as big as the, the Matterhorn itself. is only 80 feet tall, I believe. Yeah, that's the, the size of the track. Um, you're, t- you're talking about the height? 
of, uh, of, the, of the track. The mountain actually yes. extends above. Oh. The, the, so you've never ridden it, right, Steve? No, okay. no, no, no. Are you kidding me? And, <laughs> and that's another fun thing about our podcast is you got me who who will ride anything he sees and Steve, you know, who will get to that point. <laughs> who's Someday. Yet to, yeah, who is not quite there yet. So I don't know if my ticker can handle it. Oh, your, t- your ticker can handle the Matterhorn, trust oh, me. Oh, I'm sure, 27 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pushing it, but yeah, yeah. So yes. the Matterhorn, the way it's it's set up, it actually has two sides. It's two roller coasters, essentially, I, I that weave know that. together. Yeah, yeah, there's, okay. a, there's two sides. And they both go up a lift hill that's in the center. You know, you, you, you get on and they, they start and you turn and go up. Uh, lift hill side by side mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of the mountain essentially oh, that sounds cool so yeah it's very cool so it tops out um at 80 feet but the peak actually goes up to not quite 150 feet 147 yep 147 feet yep. so you've still got quite a bit of mountain uh above you once you get to the top of the lift hill or the top of the highest point of the actual roller coaster ride the inspiration was actually the Matterhorn, uh, the the actual the real mountain the in real, Europe, yeah, in Europe, right? Um, how tall is the actual Matterhorn? It is. I was gonna say like a thousand feet. It is. The Matterhorn is fourteen thousand six hundred and ninety. Oh well, feet. see there you go. I was only off by thirteen thousand ish. <laughs> so that's quite a bit. <laughs> Okay, so um, but and Disney completely built it to scale, so it's yes, <laughs> it, it's really that big. Yeah. Now, before the Matterhorn actually went in, they they basically it was a an answer to a problem that they had right. at the park. That's right. So uh, the problem was is they had a huge mound of dirt right. from building Disneyland. They couldn't afford to get rid of. Right. So they turned it into a what is it a park? Uh, it was called Holiday Hill. Holiday I think Hill. he just slapped a bench on it, you yeah. know, let some grass grow and slapped a bench on it, hoping right. people would just, you know, go to Disneyland to sit on his pile of dirt. Pile of dirt. <laughs> it was free. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but he built it. He ended up getting rid of it because kids were going out there and, uh, uh, Necking, I guess. Or oh, okay. Making out. Necking. Necking. It's like, that's a 50s word. I was going to say, wow, way to work that in. We're talking about a 50s roller coaster. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, they were going up there making out and stuff like that, and Disney did not like that. He didn't want He didn't that, want that kind of image at, no, all, at all for his park. Yeah. So he said, you know what, we're going to just build the Matterhorn. Right, mm-hmm. And uh, it's um, – so what makes this roller coaster so unique as far as like what did they do in order to make this mountain come to be and the ride itself? Well, what really the importance of the Matterhorn and what makes it unique was it was the first roller coaster to use tubular steel track. Yes. And, you know, you think, you know, if I say the word roller coaster, an image that pops in your mind today you know, you've got basically two types of roller coasters now, steel and wooden. Right. Well, there was a time when there wasn't steel. It was just wooden roller coasters. Right. The Matterhorn changed that. The Matterhorn created this new category of steel roller coasters. And every steel roller coaster you see today, you can trace it back to the Matterhorn because that's the first roller coaster that tried to do it. And, of course, it was successful. It's still standing right now. Now, Arrow was well known for being – uh, who created, or I'm sorry, they designed, correct? Yeah, Arrow was the company that made the Matterhorn, and they were, I, I think it was a collaborative design because um, Disney has their Imagineers, and most of the rides, 
maybe the, the Imagineers have some kind of hand in it's what I'm saying. It wasn't just purely arrow, but it was a, a combination. A of collaborative. Stuff. Collaborative. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but it was arrow who came up with the idea of the tubular track, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the problems they were having was the fact that, um, uh, one, they needed to, the, the bobsled to be on something so it didn't go running off the track. Of course, right. You know, throwing people off the mountain, which would be very kind of funny, but bad at the same time. I mean, you can't have multiple rides. You just get one ride at that one point. One ride. That's it. You're done. Yeah. Next. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, is how do you keep this thing from going down and also making it smooth like you're really sliding on ice right and it it allowed them to bend bend in different ways that a wooden track wouldn't so they it was the first time they could do maneuvers like the tight turns Mm -hmm. and the banked turns you know smoothly and um efficiently you know the wooden track wouldn't accommodate that right so uh that right there in itself is is that is the first ever. Yeah. And is and it's true to what you say cuz I I researched it myself. It was the inspiration and and the the pivotal point that really changed roller coasters that we know nowadays. Mm-hmm, for sure. And what people enjoy and I don't. You will. <laughs> don't is not the right word. You I will. I don't enjoy. You owe me a ride. So I do. I do. So what which one was it? It was Time Traveler. Time Traveler. In uh, uh, City, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Sandy am. still owes me an outlaw run yeah i just thought about it writing that i'm nearly wetting myself thinking about it and everybody's going like are you serious that is such an easy ride i might you know well, how old is your daughter <laughs> which one eight yes we really hope you enjoyed that clip from the ride guides podcast the full one hour episode will be released on september 4th at two tenderfoot or anywhere else the two tenderfoot tourist podcast is available